What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 15 of Drunk Boy's Basement, where drunk conversations happen. Did you lie to me? I thought it was 12. A little bit. Uh, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> wait a minute. We somehow made it to episode 15, and yet here we are. That's 15 weeks. True. Well, there was actually one week where we didn't do an episode so, over Christmas. That's true. You're going to be without me next week, too. Uh, We'll make it work. I'm going to be in South Carolina getting COVID. There was some dude who was like... I mean, we can get that here. He was like, <laughs> how am I supposed to know about the other 18 if I haven't... What I can't remember what he said. He was like, if I have, if I get COVID-19, how am I supposed to know about the... I'm going to stop talking. That makes no sense. I don't know. I That was stupid. I, <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, dude, this whole week, uh, it just... It got like... I don't even know what to say. I it just got a little bit out of control. Well, not a little bit. It's out of control. I mean, this whole and I didn't want to. I didn't want to talk about COVID. I didn't want to talk about any of that last week when Tristan was here. I don't want to talk about it now. We're kind of forced to because of how ridiculous this shit is getting. Well, I mean, can you really call it ridiculous though? With like it is because how- think think about this. Think about how Utah as just a state in general, like just as like an entity, is acting with this like quote unquote epidemic. But then think about how it would be if it was really bad. Like if there was stuff in the water, if it was like, imagine that. Because we're, people are freaking out about this when I think the mortality rate, the last like statistics I saw a couple days ago, so don't quote me on this. I think it was 685 cases or 685,000 cases and like 599,000 people recovered. There are still some in ICU. I think out of the 600, the little over half a million cases, 4,000 people have died. Yeah, and that, four, that, that statistic of 4,000 was like 90% people over 60. See, if I remember correctly, what I was hearing is uh, in the U.S. alone, we've had 149,000, like a little, above, a little bit above 149,000 with a uh, fatality rate of... It was like right around in the 4,000 range. Yeah, but it's just people with immune deficient problems. And it's just like the thing that I'm not even. So obviously my thoughts and prayers go out to family members affected by that because that's that's shitty. But the, the thing that I'm stuck on is. That was weird. Someone tagged me in a thing on Facebook and then it was like trying to pull up a video. <laughs> I've never seen that before. We are in the middle of podcasting, <laughs> right? Surfing Facebook. <laughs> the thing that strikes me as a concern is there is a, a case in West Valley probably two days ago, so over the week, and some old lady got her shit kicked in because she was just trying to buy just stuff, and this dude and his girlfriend like ransacked her shopping cart for all the stuff she had. Like it's getting that bad. Like it, they beat the shit out of her in the parking lot. Why? Of a Walmart. That's exact. That's what I mean. Because people are like doomsday prepping for a virus that doesn't really have a high fatality rate. Doomsday prepping with toilet paper. Oh my god. <laughs> Do you know why that started? I have no idea. Literally, like everyone went to Costco, bought bulk toilet paper, and the next thing you knew, everyone was buying toilet paper. I don't. I'm gonna actually look that up. I don't know. What was he? There's one other item too that everyone was like trying to find. It's the only thing that I can equate it to is that people don't want to like run out of 
an essential, which I guess is toilet paper. Like, if you've got a cat, you can use a cat. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's it's just, I don't know what I'm getting at. It's, Me either. I, I will say this. It's been crazy, because, like, the other day I went to Walmart, and usually Walmart's pretty well stocked, but I was, like, I was walking through the aisles, and... There was... It looks like a scene out of The Walking Dead. That's that's the thing that I'm just stuck on is I don't I don't get why everything's such a mess. Like why why did this? And I think a lot of it has to do with the mass media. Like they they screwed this up, man. They could have done so much different. <laughs> like they could have done a vast amount of different things to try to make this not sound as as bad as it is. But all the media attention now for what? who knows advertisement who knows (laughs) i don't know dude i just this thing's bothering me it's just like in the sense that it's i mean well it is creeping up towards us so yeah but at the same time it's just from every from the like i there are videos going around on facebook of people that like survived it and they're like it's just like a really bad cold you just have to take care of yourself yeah, well, the the I mean, the flu has more symptoms than this does, and it makes you feel the flu makes you feel way worse than this does, and that's people that have had it, and they're like, it's really not as bad as it sounds. You just have to take care of yourself and don't go like traveling the country when you get sick with it. Just chill out, and it lasts like two weeks shorter than the flu does. So you get it, you have it for like two, maybe three weeks if you're taking care of yourself, and then it goes away, and then. Well, you, the, the worst part about it is not, like, just getting it. It's, like, you can get it multiple times. Mm-hmm. That's what I've heard, too, is, like, there's a... After you get past the worst of it, and then you kind of surpass the virus holistically, you can still get it again because someone else come into contact with you. It's, it's just, like, this really messed up game of virus telephone. Apparently, it just gets worse each time. It just gets worse. I just the thing that this makes me think about is, like I said earlier, is imagine if this was like a real crisis, like the shit you see in movies where people are like doomsday prepping and like all that, like everyone's going nuts. This is kind of close to it, especially in Utah. Like Utah's gained national attention because of how badly we're handling this. Some dude, some dude wrote up an article about how he's living in South Korea where it's really bad there. Like, there's a lot of people that are sick. Yeah. He's like, bro, we're still hearing things about Utah. Even though we have an epicenter here, (laughs) you guys are the focus of our attention because of how bad you people are handling this virus thing. For what what was it? South Korea was actually handling it really well, too. Yeah, and then you've got the other thing where Italy shut down. Like, they've just closed off everything completely. And then... They've, you know, suspended um, mortgages and, and student loan debt or, or whatever it is. And everyone's turning to the oh, U.S. Like, well, why aren't we doing that? Well, we've got more people per capita and we owe somebody something, you know, or someone. What is it like a couple trillion dollars? So it's like, I don't think we have the opportunity to shut down our it's called e- capitalism economy, <laughs> I guess. And then there's no. also that conspiracy theory of people. This whole this whole episode's gonna be like so boring. <laughs> but the it's the, the informative episode. I guess. <laughs> sure. I just I was super discombobulated at the beginning there and I still kinda am. Um But there's also that conspiracy going around that every year, every election year, there's some giant issue like SARS or ISIS or 
whatever. True, yeah. I actually You've saw probably that seen that. Yeah, uh, everyone's like, like, well, if you think about it, during an election year, and it's like, shut up. I don't, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> and then you talk to my parents in Belize, and they're like, dude, everyone's just hanging out. It's not a big deal. They've got plenty of stuff. See, just just go down to Belize, take a take a vacation for your and job. Then, and then today, my dad was like, <laughs> he was asking me, uh, he was like, well, how's everything going in Utah? Like, are people ransacking stores? And I was like, nah, it's all good. And he was like, yeah, it's good here too. I just don't like the fact that when people have to like greet you, they hug you all the time. He's like, I don't like that because it freaks me out. It's kind <laughs> of honestly though, like as much as I don't want to buy into it, like I don't want to buy into the bullshit. I don't want to buy into the panic, but going to South Carolina next weekend, it's kind of in the back of my mind because my company suspended travel. I'm just going for leisure. Yeah. But I'm. it's kind of in the back of my mind. Like I don't, I, I'm just going to kind of sit in my seat, just my arms folded and not touch anything. <laughs> Stay away from the two people surrounding you mm-hmm. on the plane. Well, there are people um, where I was looking at, because I was going to try to upgrade today and I was looking at seats and there are people that I'm pretty sure because the flight's not very full and I'm pretty sure that people are just buying entire rows so they don't have to be near people. I mean, I wouldn't doubt it. If people are as crazy as, as it seems. It's ridiculous. What are you, you, this is the crazy thing. I had my mind blown today when I are like this week when I learned that the that the Mormon religion is like stopping services. Oh, church is canceled. General conference is canceled. I mean, well, I don't know if general conference yeah, is canceled. It's, it's canceled. Oh, yeah. It's there's like, I can't technically, technically still hold it and just broadcast it. Well, I guess that's true. I, I, just I didn't think about congregate. that. Well, my, my, one of my bosses came in today and he was like, dude, it's like, what? And he's like, I don't have to go to church on Sunday. This is the best. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Oh, that's all. Yeah. That's the other thing I've been hearing too. Like, heck yeah. No services. I just, it's like. Although the one sad thing is, I mean, I guess I'll say sad. Some people are probably happy, but like the missionaries, they can't train right now. Wouldn't that suck? You get a mission call like last week. You go to Provo and they're like, sorry, can't do anything. <laughs> it's right. Going to going an hour away to go knock on doors. Speaking of missionaries, um, we, <laughs> uh going to like bail enforcement stories so wednesday thursday tuesday night um we we're looking at we we're watching this house and there was a girl that we were looking for we're pretty sure was in that house but the way the laws work is unless we visibly see her we can't do anything like we're not going to knock on the door and blow our cover um i might as well tell you the story so we're looking <laughs> we're looking for this girl and um we go to the address on record way, way out in uh, a city that's not going to be named, but it's not a good city. It's kind of a shitty place. And we're hanging out, and uh, we see this car pull up, and they're being super suspect, but it's like a new, like it's like the newest car in the neighborhood. And we don't think too much of it, but they're sitting on the other side of the street right in front of our target house. And they're sitting there, the car's idling. We can't see into it because it's like pitch black. There's no street lights on this place or on the street. And it's like, it's probably eight o'clock at night. So it's, it's just dark. And so I've got myself, my partner, and then another guy that we're starting to work with. And he's on the main road. And my partner and I are in the backyard adjacent to our target house. So we're 
you have like target house on corner and then we're right in the backyard like right up against the fence where the backyard of the target house is so we're just kind of sitting there trying to see if we can see anybody and um the dude we're starting to work with gets on the radio and he's like hey there's a car you know outside idling and it's it idles it's idling there for about 15 20 minutes and then two missionaries get out so at the time we probably should have done this because it was a little bit sketchy, but they were doing like their little, I don't know if you can call them rounds, but they were like going door to door. They went down the street and then they were going to, they it seemed like they turned around at the end of the street and were going to come back up. So they're coming back up our side where our house was. And um, my partner and I were like, maybe we could get on a knock on the door and maybe she might come to the door. So... They're doing their thing, and we're still trying to figure out if, if homegirl's in the house or not. And the weirdest thing, so doing this for about two and a half years, and we talked to a bunch of the neighbors trying to get kind of an idea of who's in the house, and every neighbor around that house is like, oh, they're shitheads. No one likes them. The thing they failed to mention is there's an old guy that lives in that house, and every night at 9 o'clock, sharp, he comes out with a giant spotlight. I'm not... I hand to god i'm not making this up he comes out with a giant spotlight and a 357 and he clears the perimeter of his house every night so he's got a square backyard right with the fence that borders the neighbor's house we're in but the fence is chain link there's nothing between that covers us so we're right up against the chain link we're looking in and we see movement at the back door dude comes out and he's got the brightest the brightest spotlight i've ever seen and he walks out down his deck stairs and then he goes around the perimeter like twice. So obviously a gun's in play at this point. And at this point, so to back up, the missionaries are coming back up the street. And we, the guy that was watching the front of the house already went down and talked to him. And he was like, hey, don't be alarmed. We just, are you going to go to this house? And I'm like, yeah, we're trying to go to every house on the street. He's like, okay, cool. So he goes back to his truck. He's watching the front door. At this point, there's a gun in play. And so it's kind of all bets are off. Like if girl's in there, then there's a gun in play. Some shit could go down. And they're a house. They're one house down. So they're next door to the house we're looking at. So we're trying to get the dude that's at the front door, that's watching the front door to try to tell the missionaries like, yo, don't worry about it. Don't, it's not a big deal. Don't go to that house. Um, because at the time that was right when the dude was, was, was canvassing his backyard. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask this question really quick. So this is the neighbor that comes out with the spotlight. No, 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 no. This is the one, the old, an old guy that lives at the house. We're trying to raid. Oh, okay. Um, but all the neighbors around were like, yeah, this dude. So, okay. We found that out after, cause we were after this whole story ends, we, we left and we talked to the neighbor. Um, well, the neighbor caught us as we were leaving his backyard and he was like, Hey, by the way, this dude comes out with a gun and a spotlight every night. And it really bothers us cause he shines the light everywhere. It's super bright and he's got a gun. It's, you know, second amendment. He can do what he wants, but it, they told us that after the fact, <laughs> So the missionaries are, are next door. They knock on the they knock and the thing that we started to realize is that this is a shithead house and what that means is that there's people in and out like every 5 10 minutes. So obviously some shit's going down inside. And um 
whereas for safety's sake, we wanted the missionaries to just go to the house across from them. Like, cause they, their house is on the very corner of this main road and it was a busy, busy road. So there's cars driving up and down and we were like, just go somewhere else. Like that's what we wanted. Um, so they, they get to the house and right as the dude is about to cross where we are, cause there's no cover in this dude in this neighbor's backyard. It's literally his house lawn fence and then lawn target house so there's no cover it's just the chain link fence in between the two houses and we were trying that there's like a tree in the corner so we were both like stacked up in this tree trying to like hide a little bit because we got a perfect vantage point into the back window and so the missionaries show up and they knock on the door right as the dude's about to sweep in front of us so he turns his shit off and runs inside because he's obviously very paranoid so, um, we're kind of, you know, taking a break. We're trying to breathe a sigh of relief. And then my partner gets the bright idea since I'm the shortest to just launch me over the fence and see what's going on. And I'm like, bro, there's a gun in play. And he's like, dude, it, don't, don't worry. It's not a big deal. We don't do that. Instead, what we do is we let the missionaries talk to the guy. He, he came to the door without the gun, without the spotlight. So he, he left it somewhere in the house by the time he got into the house and went to the front door. So the whole time we're just trying to see if there's this, she's like five, three, she's apparently according to the CI, a hot piece of ass, right? So everyone wants her. So she's pretty recognizable. So we're just, that's all we're trying to see. The second the dude shuts the front door and the missionaries leave, the entire house darks out. There was a TV on the back corner where we were watching. There was a kitchen light on the porch light was on like, Within seconds of him shutting the front door, the whole house darks out. So we're trying to figure out what's going on. And obviously the dude got spooked and I, we don't know who this dude is. He's just kind of eccentric, but, um, so we sit there and we're sitting there for about another hour. Nothing's happening. So my partner gets the bright idea. Let's throw the honeypot a little bit. He's got this steel, like sheet metal awning thing over his porch. So we go over to the neighbor's little garden he's got behind us and we just start throwing like pebbles on the, on the, on the awning. And about 20 minutes after we start doing that, he comes back out because we're making enough noise that, cause the streets at this point, it's quiet, it's clear. So he comes back out and he's, he's shining the spotlight everywhere and he's looking around doing his thing. And the thing we didn't know is we kind of underestimated how smart he was because what he did was he shut the flashlight off, opened the door and then shut the door. He didn't go inside. So we start, we're, we're kind of frozen there behind this tree and it's not big enough for two dudes. It's, we're just, we're like stacked up right on top of each other behind this tree. Cause there's no other place to sit in this yard. And the neighbor's yard adjacent has this huge brick wall. That's like five, 10, 20 bricks high and then it's got another like 40 bricks on top of it so it's like it's probably like a 20 foot wall it's huge so we couldn't go to that side and then obviously this this so when you're looking at the house on the right side is the main road and on the left side you've got the neighbor's yard with the it's it's a weird layout but we we're gonna try to sit in the neighbor's yard that was next door to his house fence was too high so 
We're sitting there, we're sitting there. Dude does the whole shut the door, open the door thing, and he's, sit, he's sitting outside. And right as I'm about to step out past the tree, the neighbor's motion light, the yard that we're in, turns on. It, we didn't even know there was one because we were walking around for like an hour and it didn't turn on. So it backlights me like I'm on stage. Like it lights me up. So dude stands up because he sees me completely. And he starts screaming in Spanish. And the chick rockets out the front door. Like she full on sprints out the front door. And the guy that's watching the front door was in the middle of, he was in his truck across the street watching the door. He had a perfect line of sight. He was in the middle of eating an MRE. So he didn't notice that she took off out the front door and she took off. So she's running and she comes out the door, takes a right, and is running toward the truck down the main street, like hauling ass, right? And he doesn't notice up until the point of when she is like right in front of his truck and she runs past his truck. So she's she's gone and everyone's freaking out, like we're ever it's just all hell's breaking loose. And so so he starts his truck and he turns around and he's hauling after her. She had scaled the fence of another yard that was probably a block down and got on the roof of this dude's house. So she's on the roof. And yeah, so anyway, there's a whole bunch that leads up to that, but it's semantical and it's boring. <laughs> but by the time, so by the time he turned around, she had launched, launched herself over a fence, got on the roof of this dude's house and was hiding behind um, a swamp cooler. We didn't know that that happened. So we knew that she was in the general area because the the neighborhood we were in, there were like five places she could have been, like maybe five that were easily concealable for like a five foot woman. So all bets are off. We're not stealth anymore. We're we're walking down the street and dude that was in the truck, he's got, he's ex-military. So he's got his AR, he's got all of his stuff and we're, we're walking down the street. The only reason that we saw this girl was because the roof had where the swamp core was, was flat, but it was only the side. The flatness was only the size of the swamp core. And a swamp core is probably two feet by three feet. It's not very big. And she had wedged herself right in between where the, the roof kind of dips, like it goes straight down. So it looked like a triangle. And on top of the triangle was a flat spot where the swamp core was. And she had managed to get up to that spot and was sitting and was kind of walking the opposite way of where we were walking on the street. Because where we were on the street, we could easily see where she would have been if that swamp core wasn't there. Because she would have silhouetted herself right where the street light was. Because that neighborhood had a street light that was like right on top of her. We're walking and we're walking. And it's all quiet. And so we, we stop one house down from the house that she's on top of. And she falls so she she yeah she loses her footing and slides down the side of this house right on top of a trash can that was full of like cans it was a recycling bin probably knocked it over and then she got tangled up in like some weird fish net or whatever some dude had thrown away in there so she's trying to get away from this trash can meanwhile she sounds like a wedding procession where you tie the cans to the back of your car. <laughs> That's what she sounds like trying to like get away from that. So long story short, we were able to like, my partner was able to tackle her cause she was, she was 
feisty. She she bit a little bit, I think. But um, so long story short, she was able to get. She still she still managed after getting in the trash can. She still managed to get like another four houses down from where she ran the opposite way of where we were at the end of the street. So she still was able to get like a couple hundred feet away from us. She sounds determined. <laughs> she was oh yeah, but she was one of those girls that was like posting gun pictures on Instagram, like waving them oh, around. Nice. She was like a wannabe gangster. So wow. we we figured she had a gun, but yeah, she got laid out by my partner. <laughs> I can just imagine. That, that dude can lay pretty much anyone out. Oh, yeah. He's a big dude. But <laughs> it was a long night. That was a that was a riveting story. <laughs> and then yeah. we just got another text from uh, our other fugitive. Oh, hooray. So you might be going uh, hunting after this, Very sounds like. Baby blue hoodie. He's in Midville again. It's the life, bro. You gotta wait until after dinner. That's the only thing. I'm not. I've been drinking. I'm not gonna go out. And that <laughs> that case will get thrown out the window if they find that out. You just tackle some, or actually, you can't tackle anyone. Uh, like, oh, I can try. I can sure as shit try. I'll exactly. tell you what. <laughs> I was gonna say you try. And that tackle. was actually after two years. That was the first case where it was in uh, a gun out of holster case because of the dude with the gun. So we we're when. Any of us would move across the yard. One of us was covering the porch because the dude had a gun. Oh. So if he was gonna if he was gonna shoot at us, we're gonna turn fire for sure. But yeah, that, that was sounds... that was the first case I ever had an active like a gunplay thing going on. So that was kind of exciting. But so dude never left the house, right? Only only girl. We, I don't know what I don't know what that dude's story is. I don't. We don't care about that guy. All we cared about was the fact that he had a gun. <laughs> so. Oh, uh, that that's probably gotta be one of the more uh, intense stories you've had. So, but far. the thing is, oh, I've got a few, but I just for legal purposes don't know if I should talk about them on my, on on air. <laughs> Very true. But um, that's the that's what really got me thinking about the fact that so I was covering my partner as he was running across the yard, and I was really like, that's what really hit me was like, if I have to shoot at someone, am I going to be able to actually pull the trigger? That's that's something that you can't get taught in any training class or, you know, concealed carry weapons class. It, I was, that's the one thing that I remember the most about that night is not the chick falling off the roof. That was sick. That was funny. But <laughs> the that fact that, been. the fact that I was gun up, like ready to shoot this dude, if he were, if he started shooting at us and I was really like, obviously in the moment I probably would have panicked. Like, I'm not even going to lie about that. I probably would have freaked out and then started shooting. But that was the thing I remember the most was looking down the side of my gun. And I was like, I don't, if I was getting shot at, would I be able to return fire without panicking without my partner getting hit? Because that was my whole point was I was covering him as he moved across the yard. Hmm. I mean, I mean, I think it comes down to the question of like, cause I mean, isn't technically killing, if you fire your gun, it's in self-protection, right? It's not to kill somebody. No, yeah, and that's, I mean, that comes into play when you're looking at, like, it's the same thing. The the, the thing people get twisted is, like, well, it's different if a cop shoots someone. It's not, because in theory, if you strip away the badge, strip away all the stuff, they're still a citizen. They've just got a different duty than a normal citizen does. So in a perfect world, a cop shoots in self-defense. That's the self-defense is the gray line or the gray area that people argue all the time. So that's why, like, I wear body cams. 
partner wears body cams. Everyone that works in the field that carries a gun wears body cams because if that dude returned or if that dude started shooting at us, then you'd go and say, I wasn't the first one to shoot. It's a rules of engagement thing. Don't fire yeah. unless being fired upon. Yeah. And so it's not like I saw an old guy and I was like, I hate old people and started blasting. <laughs> like, I'm not going to, you know. Oh, shoot. He has COVID. Yeah. Like, <laughs> got to put him down. Oh, did you hear about Kim Jong-un putting down someone that had COVID in North Korea? I have not heard that story yet. Kim don't play, bro. Kim put him <laughs> down real quick. I'm not surprised about this. But that was, I, 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 I really thought about it when I was going back, um, to my place after that whole, whole ordeal is I was like, do I, do I, do I really have the mental stability to pull the trigger? And, and that's, that's something that I really haven't thought about until I was like a gun out situation. Well, okay. I can't, I can't say that I've had one other situation where that was the case, but it was like probably a week after I started working this whole that I started doing this job. And the only reason that it was a gun out situation is because dude was doing the same thing. The girl was, is he was posting videos on Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook about how he's got all these guns. He's flashing them around. He's always carrying. Um, and so we're at this, we're at this apartment complex. We find him and he's, he's in the, we know he's in there because we follow his car there. We watched him get out and we couldn't apprehend him in time before he got out of the car because he was in, a, he was in like a, the apartment complex was one of those, where you park in the bottom and it has like a garage. Yeah. Thing. So he went in there. We had to get security to let us in, went up to the apartment and we're stacked on either side of the door. And I still kick myself to this day because I made a rookie mistake. But when his friends, so we, we sat out there for about an hour cause we waited for people to come out. Cause we weren't going to knock on the door because that's start blasting. You know, you never know. You knock on the door. He's, you know, sketchy and scared. He starts shooting the door. You, you never know. So we're stacked up on either side of the door and uh, his friends come out. So my big ass partner pushes the door in on him and then we're screaming and yelling and he's videotaping this whole thing. Cause at the time I, <laughs> at the time I was wearing black jeans and Converse. I didn't have any gear on me at all. I didn't know what to expect with this job. So I just, I was wearing black, black Converse. I think I had my, <laughs> my holster and a pair of handcuffs. Like I didn't have any of the, I didn't have spare mags. I didn't have flashlight. My radio, I didn't have any of that. Did you at least have a vest? No, 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 no. No, I'm in, I'm in a shirt that says bail enforcement that I bought on Etsy. <laughs> so, I, I have nothing. I look like, I look like I probably shouldn't be doing this professionally at, at, at the time. It was a bring your son to work day. It, that's what it looked like. Like he gave me, he gave me a bail enforcement shirt because I was like a make a wish kid. <laughs> he wanted to make a dream come true. <laughs> and so we're stacked up on the other side of the door. His friends come out. My partner forces himself in. And he had a he had a Glock 19 on the left side of the couch, his left hand where he was sitting. It was an immediate reach. It wasn't even within two inches of his hand. So we're screaming. We're yelling. Everyone's on the ground. We get everyone, you know, proned out on the ground. And... um. I mean, that was the most exciting part about that. The thing that I kicked myself for was when I went back and watched the video, I was in front of my partner at first, and then I went behind him, and he's got a camera that faces... So he's got a camera on each shoulder. One faces on the back of him, and one faces on the front of him. And... Yes? No, keep going. Okay. Yeah. And so when we went back and watched the video, I swept 
and it was a rookie mistake, and I still kick myself to that for the about that for this to this day, <laughs> because I was so in the like I, I was I was just like point my gun at everybody. I didn't know what to do, <laughs> but I went right behind him, and that's you you know if if he's in front of me, you go up and over. Yeah, you don't sweep him. You never point at what you don't want to shoot at. Or something, I mean, much. yeah, but it's still it's considered sweeping. Like if your 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 battle buddy or whatever is in front of you. And then you're behind your battle buddy, and a dude draws a gun in front of your battle buddy. You don't point the gun at your battle buddy. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm getting at. So I, I swept, but the thing, the thing that I, I remember the most about that case, though, that really just irks me. So we got uh, an unregistered Glock 19 serial number was filed off of it, so we kept that. We didn't keep it. We you know pocketed it, and we found an eight ball of coke. It was not a user's amount. He was selling. We took it down to the local municipality, and the ADA, what's his name, uh, Sam Sim Gill, you asshole. <laughs> he's the DA, not the ADA. He's the DA. Sim Gill. I'm saying his name because he's a dickhead. He dismissed the case because he thought the cocaine and the gun were circumstantial. So. Wait. The thing that bothers me the most is this dude. I'm debating on saying his name. I don't think I'm going to. <laughs> I, I, his, his car and his license plate are in my head because we looked for this guy for three months. Or no, Aaron. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Just, just... So my, okay. So no, 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 that was three months in. I wasn't like two weeks out of. That was probably three to six months in after I first got my license. And the entire time that I was um, being FTO'd by my um, by my partner, he's he been looking for this guy. So then I got on the case with him. So this guy became kind of like he kind of became my case because I was like, I want to find this guy. I don't know why, but I wanted to find him. He was a bad he was he was he was a bad dude. He beat up his girlfriend and all that. But the thing that bothers me the most, besides the fact that he beat up his girlfriend. The, thing, the whole reason you wanted to find him. He beat I, up his girlfriend. <laughs> to this day, dude, I don't know what it was about him. I just, like, I knew that I needed to get this guy because he was, like, a wannabe thug. And he, I don't know. I don't know. It was weird. But I still know his name, his license plate, and the car he drove. It was a black Mercedes C... I guess I don't remember it. I just remember it was a, it was a black Mercedes late model. <laughs> tinted windows, black wheels, aftermarket wheels. Dude's chilling while listening to this podcast. He actually got picked up by um, the company I worked for two more times after we arrested him. Isn't there a certain point where they become a flight risk, though, and they just don't ever allow... Welcome to Simgills, Utah. What's Simgills, Utah? It's where you can get arrested a thousand times, and you're good to go. Well, I mean, if you're you're paying bail, I mean, that's more money. (laughs) Yeah, I just, I, Sim Gill strikes a chord with me. So, so the one thing I have to ask is like, I don't know if it's because I'm drunk or if I really. How are you? Okay. All right. You know what? I'm not going to judge you. So you said something about being the the evidence being circumstantial Mm -hmm. in the situation. Mm -hmm. If I understand that, I I just want to make sure I understand that portion correctly. Um, So it's like, it wasn't his, it was just kind of there. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we have it on camera that it was on him. Wow. 
That's what bothers us the most. So we, cause he got out on a drug related charge from the first place. He, in the first place, he was, he was selling and distributing narcotics, which is not weed. It's, you know, crack or whatever. His drug of choice was Coke and he would distribute it among his friends. And, um, the thing about him that was unique was Coke in the powder form. That's a rich people drug that, that, that kind of thing stays up in park city or up North. Like that's, it doesn't come down to the Valley here. It's usually crystal meth or heroin or stuff like that you don't ever see like powder cocaine and that was actually the first time my partner had seen it in 15 years huh really yeah powdered cocaine is not a thing you see on the streets anymore because you have to refine it you have to cut it it's there's a whole process and if you're cutting pure cocaine there's a whole thing that goes into that it's you're not cutting it with bullshit like cartel cocaine you're not cutting it with drain cleaner or whatever it is like pure uncut cocaine you'll probably see more of that than than powdered cocaine now we're getting into the the breaking bad area oh god i hate that show (laughs) but the thing that so we 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 scoop him up we grab his gun grab his coke we go to the local police department they take the coke and the gun and two days later simgill throws the case out dude walks no charges no charges yeah, that that's the kind of stuff when you talk about bail enforcement and how to piss them off. It's stuff like that where, yeah, we got the money. Sure. But inevitably, he's going to be back on the docket and sure as shit. Two months after he got bailed, the company that bailed him out the first time bailed him again. And now he's a flight risk for them. He's not a flight risk for the court. The court's getting their money. And that's the thing that people get twisted the bail bonds companies are the ones that have to realize that maybe these guys aren't as profitable as we think they are because you bail them for 10000 an enforcement agent goes and gets them, they charge 10% of that plus their expenses. So you're just spending money for this dude to get in and out, in and out, in and in out. It's not a good way to run a business in my opinion. But I'm never going to well, be a bail bondsman because those I pff, that is out of my league. <laughs> I was going to say, they've been around for a long time, so it must be something good. Yeah, it, well, it's it's for-profit bail. I mean, that's what it is. And that's why you have R, uh, ROR, the George Soros program. You have uh, pre-trial. Just all this other bullshit that the government's trying to circumvent the bail enforcement industry or the bail industry because they don't think that people should be looked at as, like, a dollar sign, which is bullshit because I have to pay taxes, Right. Yeah. So you have ROR, the George Soros program, the pretrial. All of that consists of if you get arrested, you'll go before a judge, and the judge goes, Do you promise to come back to court? And you go, Of course I do. And then you don't show up. (laughs) And then you get paid to go hunt him down. No, because there's no bail. There's nothing. They they the judge says, Do you promise to show up? And then they say yes, and then they leave. When a bail uh bail bonds company shows up to bail you out. They're the ones saying, we promise to pay you if Sean doesn't show up to court. So instead of that, they circumvent all of that and just pull you out of the cell, put you in front of a judge without a bail bonds company and say, do you promise to show up to court when your court date is? And you go, of course I do. Why would I do that? I'm a good, I'm a good citizen. I never, I'd never run from you. I love this country. I'm, I'm a God fearing person. And then they don't show up. And then the, the court goes, what do we do now? So you take that into account with rapists, murderers, 
um, child sex offenders. In the first 25 days that California abolished bail reform, so there's there's no for-profit bail in California anymore. It's, it's illegal. You can't bounty hunt there. You can't do anything there. It's illegal. Wait, wait, wait. You said for-profit. Yeah. So there's, tech, there's still bail enforcement, just it's non-profit. Bail enforcement was absorbed by the U.S. Mar- US Marshal Service. Okay. So what that means is that you do it freelance in the sense that you might get paid. You might not. I was going to say you're probably underpaid. You're very underpaid. (laughs) So the problem with that is in the first 25 days of the California bail reform, they lost 200 and it's 200 and it's 200 to 300 different individuals. I'm not going to quote the number, but it's 200 to 300 people. 80% 80% of those people they lost were rapists, murderers, um, child predators. They lost them. They don't know where they are. And now they're just... They're just... They're somewhere. literally... They're in the wind. Because California was like, we don't want for-profit bail. And it killed the bail industry. So the bail bondsmen are like, all right, good luck with that. Because we were providing a service to not only to the people that wanted to get out of jail, but to the state of California. And now... Now you have people like AP&P, AP&P, there are going to be people listening to this and be like, that's not true. They don't do shit. <laughs> I was going to say, where's uh, from episode 10, Alex? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know that she's probably going to contest some of this, but Utah, well, I, I guess to speak to Utah, AP&P here doesn't do shit. If, if you're not on their docket, they won't help you at all. So we've gone to AP&P before because... That's all they do on a federal level or on a local municipality level is they don't arrest or they don't pull people over. They just serve warrants because like you didn't show up to court. They'll find you, take you back. Shoot. There's one thing about California. I was going to say and how much they screw everything up. (laughs) California is like how Utah is right now all the time. I mean, I, I mean, Utah isn't that crazy though. Right now it is. I mean, you know, I can't argue with that after everything I've been saying. It's it's been bad. (laughs) All right, fine. I'll agree with that. Yeah. (laughs) I said that today at work, too. I was like, when I was living in California, this was how it was all the time. Like, what, with COVID? And I'm like, no, just on a Sunday. Like, (laughs) yes, coronavirus was spreading even then. (laughs) Yeah, if you want to get shot at, go to Oakland. If you want to play golf, go to San Ramon. It's it's the best of both worlds. (laughs) California is how Grand Theft Auto is as a game. I, I was going to say, if you want to get shot at, just go to Treasure Island. Oh, that's I true. Like... I don't know about that, though. I mean, it is sketchy. I mean, you'd probably get stabbed before you got shot. The homeless people out there can't afford guns. Ah, uh, good point. <laughs> All right. Well, that was kind of a well, weird, well... weird episode. <laughs> Went from COVID to bounty hunting. That was definitely interesting. One of the things, though, that we've talked about before is it's sometimes it's really tough to produce, I wouldn't say content, but talk about current events when you're just bombarded with that bullshit all week and you've had a long week and you got to talk about it again or you want to talk about it. I don't know. It, you, know you know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah. It's just like beating a dead horse after a while. I, I and that's why I didn't want to talk about COVID last episode because i thought it was beating a dead horse and then it got just blown out of proportion and then i was like okay god damn it we have to talk about it a little bit (laughs) at least at least let our 
let our listeners know we we i can't even talk right now i'm getting drunk <laughs> Whew, our calls hit me hard oh dude hasn't you haven't eaten today huh nope uh, i had a shamrock shake from mcdonald's and that has been what dude those are so gross those are amazing i don't know what you're talking about i don't eat well i guess i don't eat mcdonald's but those are gross <laughs> like I've, I've, i okay i've heard they're gross <laughs> i haven't actually had one there actually here's the real question when, when was the last time you had mcdonald's 2014 when i graduated high school oh so a little under six years yeah that's a world record right there i maybe i i just <laughs> look forward to the guinness world records <laughs> i just don't understand what the fascination is of the mcdonald's like where how how are they making money off of a dollar cent like a dollar hamburger Dude, it's so cheap, and it's like it's still got flavor. Oh, dude, it's gross. Actually, I don't. I don't like their dollar sandwiches. I I only do those if I'm like, if I just don't have time and I don't want to spend the money. I'll get. Do a you know? Sandwich. Do you know how hard it is to like travel with some of my coworkers sometimes, and then it's like two o'clock in the morning. The only place that's open is McDonald's. Like, if we get into the airport at like midnight, we got to get to our hotel. Everyone's always hungry. Uh, I is guess. It, is it? I guess unless we're in a state that has Waffle House. Because <laughs> if Waffle House is in that state, we'll just go to Waffle House. But What about IHOP? IHOP is the worst. <laughs> I... After that experience we had at the one here, I am never going to IHOP again. It's been like the one bad experience I've ever had. I'm going to name IHOP. them because we're not going to get sponsored. If we ever get sponsored by IHOP, just we're done. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not ever doing that again because that night... I was drunk when he showed up, and the service and the experience was so bad, I was sober when I left. <laughs> my bacon was, my bacon was cold. I'm pretty sure they shorted me on a pancake. And my hash browns, I'm pretty sure, were from, like, two months ago. See, I, I feel like that was the one experience where, like, I had the food and felt like... Or I was holding back the feeling of puking. It was I, horrible. <laughs> it was horrible food. Like so. I, I was, I was drunk enough to where I was like, breakfast sounds good at ten o'clock at night. Breakfast <laughs> was not good at ten o'clock at night. That was bullshit. <laughs> Could have gone to like Denny's to or that, something. To that day, I've never gone back to IHOP. I'll go to Denny's. No, I'll go to Village Inn. I'm not going to IHOP. That was bullshit. That, that, yeah, that was bad. That was really bad. <sighs> All right. Well. Hopefully everyone enjoyed the bounty hunting experience Lord. and the talk about food. Uh, but thanks everyone for tuning to another episode of Drunk Boys Basement. Have something you want us to talk about next time or love this episode. Let us know on Facebook at Drunk Boys Basement. And while you're there, make sure to like and share our page. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And, and if you ever want to be featured on an episode, DM us on Facebook. If, hey. you're, if you're local to Utah, I mean, we might fly you in if you aren't too far I mean, I mean, I don't know about flying in. Sean, Sean doesn't want to fly you in. Never mind. We can do some video conferencing. We can do some video conferencing. <laughs> no, but if, if anyone wants to be featured on an episode and has stuff that they want to talk about, please DM us on Facebook and we'll bring you on. It's a BYOB <laughs> thing, though. Just keep that in mind. <laughs> All right. And as, as well, guys, make sure to catch us next Friday. And remember, please listen responsibly. Bye!